Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. In this episode of Beyond the Bump, we speak to midwife Mandy all about the fourth trimester. Today, she answers your questions on the dreaded witching hour, feeding and digestion. In part two, she will cover your questions on sleep, newborn skin and the always forgotten mama. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Mandy. Welcome to this episode of Beyond the Bump. Thank you so much for being here. It's an absolute treat. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, awesome. Your big outing. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Mandy and I live in Eleonora and I'm married to a lovely husband, David, of 35 years, and I've got four beautiful children, a Simon, 30, Tim, 27, Delicious Daniel, 23, and Amy, 20, my little treat at the end. I work at a hospital locally on the Gold Coast and I have done for 20 years. I've been a midwife for 30 years and I've also run the antenatal classes um, at a re- a close by a hospital for 20 years and I also run a little clinic in Eleonora on a Thursday morning. So oh, busy, a nice busy. little variety and um, I do some birth doulering as just as friendship and so love on the side. What do you do? That's just so on the amazing. side. I've got three babies due in May. I can't wait. Oh, my gosh. So, amazing. Ooh, don't know when. It'll yeah. all happen. At, not on the same day, let's and, say. No. And, <laughs> and you looked after me, actually, when I went into hospital with gastro and you were just so compassionate and I'd kind of just been left there to munt on my own and you came in and you put a nice clo- moist cloth on the back of my neck and made me laugh. So that was that was beautiful. Any grandbabies? Oh, my word. I'm just in the waiting room there. You but... have had that many children and you are just waiting for those to yeah, come, Yeah, I'm not you? desperate. I'm pretending I'm okay. doing the non-desperate look. Keeping it cool. <laughs> Keeping it yeah. cool and more interested in what my grandma name's going to be because that's a thing. That's a thing. My, my mum's called Mimi because she's a young mum and grandma so she doesn't she didn't want to be called granny um Sophie's mum is called Shimmy and my dad's Timmy because they were the same they felt like they were too young to be grandparents and I said grandparents doesn't mean it's an age like that's what you are your (laughs) children have had children so that's what you are it doesn't mean that you have to have a walking stick and gray hair that's right yeah you can be with it they're Shimmy and Timmy so well, we've got a Mimi and a Shimmy and a Timmy. Oh, yeah, that's so good. Well, yeah, I've got a, well, people think they'll just call me Manza Pops because that's my, you know, I Instagram like name, but I don't think, I think I'll be branching out, girls. And I I've got time to think. I'm excited. Watch this space. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you'll be in the room for any of the births? Um, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. I'll be plugging from the sidelines. I, yeah. I just totally leave it up to, up to my me. kids and be a resource on the sideline yeah. and um, just yeah, just watch that whole journey. Well, we're so excited to have you here today. We're going to get stuck into um, some questions and have you here answering them. Great, let's go. Newborn. Can you overdo cuddles as a newborn? 
Oof, I never think so. Cuddles are the best. Connection, safety, warmth, security. That's the number. Connection is the most important thing in life. And that's one of the things we've discovered actually through the COVID. I was going to say, haven't is, we just realised yeah, that? Yeah, we realised and I think we'll have a greater appreciation for our friends and family. But newborn cuddles, they're therapy. Um, perhaps the only time they're not great is when a baby is premature, say, or something like that, and they're in a crib or, you know, you're waiting for them to grow some fat and some calorie and they don't need to, you know, have too much stimulation. But that cuddle is nothing like it. And I've seen babies thrive just with cuddles. So I suppose sometimes baby can be over cuddled and they'll let you know. They'll get grumpy and irritable and wriggly and they'll go, put me down. Mm. So as you grow in that relationship and you're in your intuition, you'll figure out whether that is a Thing for you and your baby or not and I, and I absolutely love that we're here today talking about the fourth trimester because I feel with new parents and new mothers especially you have no idea after birth what to do and what to expect mm. and the advice that you're about to give to us is yeah I'm just excited to understand and know more about you know and share with everybody what you've got to say and I think people put during their pregnancy put so much emphasis on their pregnancy and on their birth and then all of a sudden like I remember with Poppy leaving the hospital and just going like don't I have to do some kind of checklist or a, a test before you a just stand just let me like I remember just looking at the midwives going so we just walk out with this thing in a capsule and off we go and and I do think that you you can't know until you're in that phase but it would be nice if some people just put some thought into that phase before it comes along would you agree with that yes and no yeah okay so my thought on the yes is it's really great to be prepared for anything because you feel like you're not that it's a performance but you'll feel your confidence yeah can can probably accelerate from a different place if you've got a bit of knowledge knowledge is power yeah and power not that you want to have power but you want to have information that that just propels you into a good decision and for no I would say there's a bump actually growing right in front of you that actually stops you from the next stage and I'm a real believer that everything has a stage yeah so I think the stage of having a baby and having it that's that's the stage that's the moment you're meant to be in so you're not meant to know about it before yeah then. it has a life purpose yeah. and, and that's where your beyond the bump intrigue has come from yeah. is there there is so much beyond the bump and it's really kinesthetic you've got to do it to feel it to yeah. know it yeah and I think it's one of the very few things in life you've got to experience yeah. it to have an opinion or to have a story yeah and I always say to my mums in the antenatal class you know really the most exciting thing about all of this is you're going to own your own story soon yeah. and no one can take that away yeah. whether it be good bad ugly or fabulous yeah it's that's that's where you start yeah. and nothing's right or wrong it's a journey so well said I agree a literal and metaphorical bump and I think it's so true because even you know your parenting style you can't know what that's going to be until the baby comes and you know every parent says oh I'm never going to do this with my child that with my child and you just you just you don't know until that little human is here what you're going to be like and what you're going to do. You don't know the temperament. You don't know if they're going to be colicky. You have no idea. And then you don't even know what colicky is until they're colicky because you have to Google it. (laughs) But I was going to say even with the cuddles, it's so true and I think it's so baby dependent because Poppy was a real snuggler and I find Goldie actually as a baby is quite independent and I don't know if that's because she's a second child so obviously I haven't had the same amount of time to just 
hold her and you know she has lived a lot more of her life you know sitting in a rocker or on a mm. you know in a lounger mm. or whatever but she's the same that she tells me when she's cuddled mm. out and she, and yeah it's funny they do they even meeting you. her today yeah. I could feel she's an observer yeah and she checks everything out yeah. and then she has an opinion yeah and I think <laughs> sometimes it's actually a personality yeah but you don't you don't think a personality can be so strong from birth, but yeah. they're created yeah. in your womb with a personality yeah. and it's for us to unpack the gift Absolutely. on the other side, isn't it, and not yeah. be too perplexed by it Absolutely. or surprised by the genes coming out. What a blessing. Now mm. a big one that we all fear is witching hour or mm. witching hours. Dun, dun, can you dun. tell us a little bit about what that is yeah, what should we, okay. people should be looking out for? Okay, well, witching hour—it's got a—it's got a you know an essence just in the word, hasn't it? We used to call it arsenic hour, so it was a bit stronger. <laughs> gets poison. Everyone has a bit of poison, and it comes out with the worst. And what do I think about witching hour? I think you've got to face the reality; it's going to happen. Everyone gets tired. Everyone gets grumpy. Not everyone's in their A form, and that goes for a little newborn who can't talk to you. So what do they do? They cry. It's their only way to communicate. Is this because of overstimulation throughout the day that they get to around 4 o'clock and everything starts to wire and unwind and they just lose the plot? I think a lot of overtiredness in newborns is what I see because we don't have COVID lives usually. We're usually A to B, we're stretching things, we're seeing what we can get out of our baby sleep-wise quick. We'll, we'll just pick them up from that nap and we'll quickly duck down to the shops and get the groceries while we can. And it can be all of those things where we're not actually letting them do what they're designed to do. Um, and we have to strap them in car seats and we have mm. to make them look good and we have to quickly change their outfits because <laughs> they're seeing Auntie so-and-so today and it'd be nice for them to wear that, wouldn't it? Mm. <laughs> you know, so you've got all these little subtle things where we're not actually in the old days of the bassinet in the back seat where kids, you yeah. know, were not seen or heard. Yeah, Kids are a, a commodity. They're yeah. a consumer item nowadays, which is, I can't say it's great, but it's just a fact of life. Yeah. And, <laughs> I agree. But <laughs> it's just a fact. Just look at Jade and my Instagram account. Yeah. No, but simple, simple fact. Yeah, simple fact. You yeah. know. So tips. Uh, yeah, any tips? No, but tips. Give us tips. I love, well, my tips would be from what I learned with four kids is the reality it's going to happen. So if you can predict your witching hour, how good is that? Yeah. So if you find that there is a pattern with your witching hour, like between four and eight, it's just that's textbook. But for some people it might be six to 12. That's very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so you've actually got to figure out, well, what can I do to be on top of my game? I've got to be the head, not the tail of this situation. Yeah. There is a surrender factor in motherhood where actually the buck does stop with you and your body quite yeah. often. I found that really hard to surrender to. I wanted everyone else to fix it around me yeah. and me just to cruise through it. <laughs> is that all right? Could you just help me? Everyone wants help because you've never done it before. So your whole body is crying out. Your boobs are leaking potentially. Your bottom's still healing potentially. You think you might like to cook a gourmet meal and you just think, well, that's not going to happen. What a nice thought. So there's lots of pressures that you put on your body and on your mind and therefore the witching hour can start before it's even started. Yeah. It's started in your head. So I think to be proactive, so for instance, don't go into witching hour hungry yourself. I don't yeah. know about you. I was a hangry mother. <laughs> so I would resent if I hadn't eaten and I was feeding yeah. a child. So I make sure I have a little snack. And I use humour and I loved changing the atmosphere. So if if you feel like the atmosphere is really stiff, maybe turn off your television, put some music on. Yeah. Put something that you actually makes you feel good. Yeah. Awesome idea. And um, something that 
will actually flow through you so it might even change the shift on on what you're feeling also for the witching hour it's for different stages so if you've got a newborn baby and that's you've just got one baby that's the time to go for your walk there's different stages but I do think witching hour actually goes right through your motherhood life so to be honest it just changes a little bit and you've got three kids at Mm -hmm. home Jade so like you're doing a homework and you've got different needs within that the the yeah, and the fighting begins. Well, that's another thing for your season. Oh, she took my so-and-so and you've got that sort Especially of thing. Especially when you've got two girls that are, what, 16 months apart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Whereas for you, you've got a a, sibling, a little a little person, little toddler who says, me and my world is the most important thing in yeah. the world. Why have you got a baby on your hip? <laughs> like, that is really interrupting my style. Yeah. So there's going to be greater enhancement of I want, I need it now, yeah. and, it, you know, the meal times extend. They won't yeah. ever eat their dinner quickly yeah. or anything like that yeah. because they simply want a bit more of your time. Yeah. So they'll just, whatever your rules are, they'll extend them just yeah. to get a bit more of you. Yeah. And you I think you're so them. right being proactive about it, you know, having dinner already made. So yeah. e- even if it's something super simple yeah. for your toddler or whatever, yeah. because if you think you're going to be able to whip up even a bowl of pasta yes. during yeah. which yeah. now you're kidding yeah. yourself, if you think you're... I don't know, even moving like your toddler's bath time to the morning for a little while. So you're not trying to like bathe them during the exact same hours. Mm. Yeah, little things. And double cooking, double batching is a big thing. So Mm. if you're going to be in the kitchen, do a a mega load. Yeah. Don't do it, just do a minuscule load and freeze some. So you feel emotionally ahead. And and also a lot of the time they eat wheat bix So if, you know, they don't eat the dinner, then don't feel bad just yeah. handing them some wheat bix because everything's too much and you go, you're yeah. full, you're yes. fine. Speaking of feeding, though, do you have any tips to get prepared for breastfeeding? Yeah, so for breastfeeding, oh, there's a lot to think about that. Um, I suppose physically, I, you know, breasts are a real interesting situation on the Gold Coast because most people have a plastic <laughs> option. <laughs> okay. And then they've had them when they're 16 or 17 to make them look, you know, famous and fabulous. And then all of a sudden they get in mummy land and they go, oh my goodness, are these things going to work yeah. for breastfeeding? And they no longer become a sexual object, but actually a no workhorse. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So they've got to rethink that. So if they've had reconstructions or implants or, um, that needs to be very much um, brought before a health professional so you can nut out the what-ifs and some people are really fortunate the way they've had surgery, for instance. I don't even know why I'm starting there, probably because I'm very aware that's an upcoming issue that people don't talk about very yeah. often. No, I think that's great. On the other thing is just you know, practical things like wearing bras. Okay, so what sort of comfy bras? You don't want anything, of course, with underwires. Head to Kmart, just stack up on the comfy, loose things until yeah. you know where you're breasts are going to be as far as they're not going anywhere but they are going to grow (laughs) to a crazy potential you know you could be a 16 triple d i think i was a 12a and moved in to dolly parton status really fast (laughs) which was great for the husband and horrible for me (laughs) crazy great for the husband to look Look at at and not touch it no touch it squirted in the eye i know that's a whole realm anyway is that preparing for breastfeeding i'm not sure but just that your whole body is changing rapidly as we know when you're pregnant and that this breast land becomes your life if you choose to breastfeed. It really overtakes everything. Um, so you've got to be comfortable. I always say invest in a great drink bottle because once yeah. you start getting on You're the breast, thirsty. 
and give your partners a job to do. You know, if they show some love for you, like they fill up your drink bottle, it's a great job for them because it's the little things, isn't it? Um, um, What else? Antenatal expressing is a big thing for gestational diabetic mums. So before they actually come to deliver, we can show you how to hand express into some syringes. So if your baby drops their blood sugars, they can have a little bit of milk. Yeah. What about people have used a toothbrush to toughen up the nips? I would say that was like... Um, 25 years ago that yeah. was the thing and people were causing lots of damage so don't touch them, don't touch them honey yeah, I mean I, they I say would... suck them to get them into late people into labor because of the oxytocin but you know most of our bar and bay mums might be sucking on the nipples in labor yeah. but a lot of people really aren't into it well I was really worried that I was going to find breastfeeding really uncomfortable because I'm someone and sorry mum and dad if you're listening to this I'm not someone who enjoys having their nipples tweaked touched sexually the nipples just like as in pre-children even are just not an area for me so I always thought oh gosh I'm gonna have this child try and breastfeed and it's gonna make me feel really really uncomfortable and so when I was pregnant with Poppy I was like do I need to toughen these things Mm. up to get them ready for it and to be honest it was it was fine I you know I I, I never got that heebie-jeebie feeling like I did when my husband tried to touch it is it is such a mental state as well because I am the opposite sorry Nan if you're listening but (laughs) watch out the Nans but if if like they're quite like you can twist them, you can do whatever, it's mm. fine. It's not a big deal. They don't hurt. But I struggled with breastfeeding and my sister-in-law, she had and has breast implants and was very much of a don't touch me, I'm a very, you know, mm. I, I just don't like my boobs being touched. She has had no problem breastfeeding. So, so good to it's hear. very interesting that we can yeah. all have these mental, yeah. you know, thoughts and have the opposite. Yeah. yeah. And nipples naturally have natural lubricant. Yeah, and that's and they're designed to do this job, which is yeah, and they're even designed to stretch two thirds longer than they are now. Oh, and I'm thinking that is just when your insanity. child whips their head and your nipple is on the other side mm. of the lounge room to where you're sitting, you go, God, how does how did that go that far? <laughs> Um, when the baby's first born, are some signs to look out for to delineate just normal breastfeeding pain to okay, the baby's latched wrong, there's something wrong, yeah, that's a good I one. shouldn't continue with this feed. Okay. So nipple stretch pain is really normal. Like I said, the nipple stretches to two-thirds of its length for the baby to latch properly. So obviously I say to my mums, when you're off to the nipple gym, everything hurts to start with. Like it's, <laughs> well, it's like that. It. You go to the workout mm. and it takes a while for you to feel the benefit of the workout. You saw, you saw, you're <laughs> you saw you're, you're uncomfortable, the whole positioning and trying to get the right position and get the right attachment just can for some people it comes very naturally but I would say very few percentage that just latch on because it's not just about you it's a twin dance Mm -hmm. you know it's a it's a dance between two personalities here and even though the animalistic tendency is to find that nipple and search for it know what to do some some little cheeky ones have been sucking their thumbs for instance for Mm. 40 weeks in the womb so they come out with a auto suck that isn't so good on the latch okay so each woman is going to be different so some people will find any latch uncomfortable because they might have Raynaud's disease they might have extra hypersensitive nipples Mm -hmm. so we probably would discover that probably more like a week two weeks down Mm -hmm. the track when they've gone past the 
baby having a little suck and then maybe another little suck and then every pain, every feed becomes more painful. So yeah. what I like to do with the mums is to try and get a like little objective score for yeah. a latch. So I'll say, okay, when the baby first starts sucking, what is your mm. latch pain? And they'll go, oh, it's about a 7 out of 10. But then it goes down to about a 3. And I go, oh, and how does it feel at a 3? Does that feel manageable? And at a 3 they go, yeah, that's okay. That's okay, yeah. and I can feel the rhythm happening. So the baby's trying to bring the milk in on the initial, so that, and sometimes you just don't have milk yet. Mm. Okay, you've got to start somewhere. <laughs> okay, you've got to build on this journey. So it's not something that just happens. Yeah. It's something like, you know, getting on a bike, you've got to learn how to use the gears, you've got to, you know, maintain the engine. Yeah. And, um, yeah, with those actual nipples, a crack is a crack. Now one person can feed through a crack, and go, oh, that's okay. And the other person goes, no, nah, get that kid. Or I, it makes me angry. It makes me stressed. And put that baby away from me. I don't even want to see it. So I see huge extremes of nipple yeah. response. Yeah. And I suppose it's very individual yeah. as to how you manage yeah. it. I'll never it's- forget the time my mum was sitting next to me on the couch and I had cracked nipples and Yumi was probably two weeks old and I was really struggling and she looked at me and I literally turned to her and I was like, stop looking at me because I was so irritated and so mad and so angry because Mm. of the pain that I was having when she was latching. And that's when I realised she wasn't latching properly. Yes. I suppose at the end of the day, really nipple pain should improve, Mm. okay? And if it doesn't improve, you need to look at, you know, getting yourself availed to a, a good pump so you can pump your milk and rest your nipples and know that that's not the end of the story, that in time things can come together and you take a feed-by-feed, day-by-day sort of approach with that. Like we should with everything, but we don't because we gallop ahead. And and on new mum's brain, it's going, I can't do this, it's too hard, I don't want to do this anymore. I always say to my mum's, how about we just give it one more go Mm. and see if if it improves a little bit. Mm. Maybe we don't have to make these big plans for how long you're going to do it. Maybe let's just say let's do it for one more day and see how we go. And the number of women that I've brought it back with expectation. Yeah. That this, it, is, it, this too shall pass. Yeah. And is that my mindset line. is so, I mean, I know I felt it with after birth pains mm. rather than feeding, but with Goldie, she'd start mm. to wake up and I'd just go, oh, no, 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 don't tell me she's yeah. going to want to feed again. I'm not ready to feel the yeah. after birth pains again. Yes. So I can only imagine if it was the actual nipple I was worried about. You do, you get to this point where you go, Plenty no, 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 you're not, you're not ready for, I'm not ready, ready for, for that. that. Yeah. yeah. You can feel your whole, it's a whole yeah. body experience. Yeah. The neck, the breast neck, as I call it, from, holding your neck and your shoulders so tight trying to get them on the right way. So if you've got nipple pain, it's certainly something to seek, you know, what is the issue. I mean, your baby might have a tongue tie. It can be a whole lot of stuff. And you can get through it. Like perseverance, I I did find having the breast pump, I know I talk about it a lot. but With your um, best friend? Yeah, it was (laughs) because when I I could not feed off a cracked nipple. So I had to have my breast pump to relieve that because I didn't want my Mm. milk to dry up. And then she would feed off my good breast and I'd Mm. alternate until that was more comfortable so I could then go, okay, you can come back and have another go. Yeah. Now, nipple shields are controversial, I feel. Why are they and when should they be used? Okay, well, nipple shields, they basically say that they might reduce the milk supply for the mum. So it's if a baby gets on, it's not suckling properly, not stimulating the breast enough, so it can 
reduced supply. Saying that, I actually used one with my fourth baby because I had a mega supply and yeah. I actually had way too much milk and I was trying to slow my supply oh, down. There so, you go. And I found that I got cracked nipples because of the oversupply. So the milk was going everywhere and the kid could have, you know, fed wow. from any angle. I think nipple shields have a place for women that are desperate to breastfeed that have tried everything, sometimes their pain, they have the Raynaud's disease, so they have the nerve uh, discomfort and sometimes that can reduce that pain or they just use it as a temporary thing. Yeah. And you just use it to get over the hump, like I say, just get the hump over the uh, get over the hump of the feed and then basically things can start to improve. And if they start feeling confidence with that, that's what it's all about. Yeah. A lot of breastfeeding is confidence yeah. and practice. Yeah. And I say always say to my mums, by six weeks you have done about 365 feeds which is, is a significantly a year's worth of feeding yeah, yeah. in six weeks that's why you're so wrecked by your new job <laughs> i mean because you're working Absolutely. really hard and especially because at the start it's about an hour each yeah, time and it always so. is so it's all 365 hours at a minimum if you haven't even got a hungry baby in there so that is a heck of a lot of hard work that you're doing so your nipples are getting an extreme workout so it's worth getting them healed worth um you know looking after them tenderly do you have any tips on engorgement absolutely i think (sighs) engorgement can be the baby's just not emptying the breast properly so you've got to look at what's the baby doing sucking wise or and can you tell us how it feels like obviously when your milk comes in it's cement like that's that's not (laughs) i I remember i remember the midwife coming in and saying has your milk come in yet and i said oh yeah i think it has a bit she goes then it hasn't (laughs) she goes if you have to think about it it hasn't come (laughs) in yet and then the next day i was like Oh, gosh. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think if you feel like your clavicles are swelling and you can't get your breath and you look down and you go, oh, I've got mountains I have never met before, that is probably engorgement. The dodgiest fake tits ever. It's not. It's pretty, yeah, it's a pretty crazy thing. So maybe the good old heat before a feed ice after is that's just really well known because obviously if you've got a lot of pain in your breast you're not going to let down easily so sometimes i hit people with some panadol no don't hit them (laughs) so it might be a great idea for you to have some panadol right now and just use the anti-inflammatory effect in there and also block feeding and then if you can't actually get the baby on the breast to hand express a little bit Mm. or use your pump to take 10 mils off or something like that just to ease the breast so the baby can get on and get a really good suck because babies get angry and fussy Oh, it's so frustrating when all they want is they milk help. and all you're doing is spraying milk around the room, but it's like a overinflated balloon and they just cannot get on and you're like, I want to give you what you want. You want what I want to give you. And but this swollen, hard thing is in the way. And also when you, like they're still finding their sleeping patterns. So, you know, your your milk's adjusting to the times that it will want to let down and if your baby's going i'm going to sleep for like a full four hours very rare but if they did (laughs) then you sort of want to just release Release a little bit of pressure and have that soft so you don't get the engorgement feeling so you can get in the shower and just Mm. give yourself a little massage in a hot shower Um, god that's satisfying but keep your fluids up because i do find that when women get really stressed with their brain with their engorged breasts, they forget to drink, they forget to eat, yeah. they forget themselves totally in amongst yeah. that. And then it starts off with a stress feed. Yeah. So every feed is you dread it because yeah. I don't want to feed off these darlings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but once they do feed. It's a oh. relief. Oh. Yeah, it is a relief. Like and as long as you let down. 
That's so good. Your relief. Nothing better than a, oh, a hard breast to a soft breast. Oh, oh, sure. I've done well here. Absolutely. When do you recommend mums start pumping, as in to store rather than just to relieve a bit of engorgement? So once again, it depends on what your supply has been like early on the piece. So some people have to pump to get their supply in to start with, so they start really early. Otherwise, if there's been a fairly a normal journey with mm-hmm. breastfeeding and, and the baby's been gaining weight and what have you and you're feeling the inkling, I've got to get out of here. Well, therefore, the, the milk um, expressing can start like like 30 mils every couple of days. In the mornings. always the best. A number of mums will say to me, oh, look, I tried at 10 o'clock last night, couldn't get a, anything out. I go, what do you expect? You're ready for bed. So are your boobs. Yeah. <laughs> so Give me a break. break. Yeah, so the expectation because sometimes it is 10 o'clock at night before you've even thought about yourself and what you want to do. So it's not till you hit the pin, oh, I haven't expressed. That's okay. Maybe just try in the morning for that first morning feed. 20 yeah. or 30 mils, build up your little bank. You probably need about 120 mils to leave a, a decent date night feed. Yeah. Or for girls that want to have a drink, you know, like they recommend not to drink when you're breastfeeding at all. But however. At all. At all. Well, shit, I thing. missed that memo. It's all right and your kids are good. So yeah. there we go. Still but alive. they do suggest now that if you do have a drink that you shouldn't feed for two to three hours, you know, after Because they generally say feed. Then, then drink straight I away. like your strategy. Look at you planning the hours. <laughs> when can I have the lip? Just tell oh, me yes, yes because that's what I've been the, doing. Yeah. Okay, so COVID, COVID, there's a bit of flex, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. on the alcohol. Yeah, we yeah. know. Okay. Second child, there's a bit of flex. Third child. Have a sip of water now, Jade, just to <laughs> cheers. <laughs> All right. So, um, What about coffee? Well, coffee and chocolate, same thing. Caffe- caffeine. What? Caffeine. No. Well, no, I say whatever you want to do and how it res- how your baby but responds. But is it like if your baby it's responds? Not, it's not like alcohol. Oh. With alcohol, they're, they're concerned about fetal alcohol of syndrome. Course. Yeah, so they're And, and they're not going to say, I feel like, and who am I to say this, but I'm going to say it, you know, they're not going to say, yeah, you can have this, this and this like every hour and blah, 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 because people will then go, well, I only drank such and such that if they can just say don't drink, and then you have one or two every now and then? I think it's absolutely fine. I think the pump and dump is the other option if you're feeling anxious. Yes, and also and formula. I know yeah. I, I did a lot of mixed feeding with Yumi and it was really good for me and it was so good for the bond with my husband yeah. and their relationship yeah. because I would go to bed at 7 o'clock. I've got the other two. I needed to have my sleep. I knew she would sleep for a good four hours. So yeah. I would go to bed when she would have a good sleep. He'd do the feed at 11, Mm. he might do one more feed and then he would bring her back to me. And this was a few weeks after I was comfortable with breastfeeding. But that was a game changer Mm. for me just to be able to help, have help and handball her to somebody else. So good. And the other thing is that little um, haku, is it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They're just wonderful. We might not even have to need the pumpkin. How good is that? I love that. I've been been watching Sophie with that and I'm like, hang on. That's a must. Yeah, I thought that it had batteries. I thought that it had, like, you had to do something. (laughs) Vibrator. (laughs) (laughs) Mandy, that's another segment, all right? (laughs) Stop stop looking in my top drawer, Jane. That that wasn't the pump. That's the double ender. No, I have any pregnant or newborn mum I've been speaking to, I've been saying get it because I felt like the vibrator and (laughs) the hucker pump because I felt like with Poppy expressing became another job and the thought of going out 
there was so much pressure. preparation involved. So say I was like, I'm going to go get a massage. The preparation, stress and pressure that was involved to go and have that hour of relaxation, I got to the point where I was like, I can't even be bothered. Whereas this time, especially being home so much with isolation, I just pop the pump on the other side most times when I'm feeding. And it and suctions, I, doesn't and it? it just suctions on and catches mm. the letdown. What would otherwise be in a nipple cover or a or in bra. your bra or mm. all over your T-shirt, if you're like me, and and every day I get an entire bottle's worth and I haven't done anything Perfect. else. Perfect. So that would be yeah. with the breastfeeding. Get one of those. Yeah, they're so cheap. <laughs> I, I, they're like 30 bucks. Yes, so good. Yeah. That's a great yeah. thing to do. How to prevent and treat mastitis. And <gasps> this is a big one. Mm. So do tell. <laughs> okay, so preventing mastitis, obviously, first of all, what causes mastitis? And what is mastitis? Okay, so yeah. mastitis is inflammation of your milk ducts and it actually can cause basically your body to be septic. So it's like pretty. Can be very serious. Happy. Yeah, serious and makes you really sick really quick. Flu-like symptoms. I've had it before. I've had it three times. Yeah. And you start to feel all of a sudden like you've got a, a, a sometimes you don't, but you have a sore in or a lump in your breast and you're yes. like, oh, that feels blocked, but whatever. And then you start to feel sick, like you're getting the flu, but it's rapid. And then you start to get all these symptoms, sweat, sweat shivers, temperature, and that's when you know, okay, I think there might be something. But yeah, if you don't know and you haven't heard of mastitis yes. before, it, you could leave it and get really, really ill. Absolutely. And I, the frontal headache is often the first common sign. So you just get this crazy frontal headache and you think, well, what's that got to do with my breasts? But that's the fact that you've got an infection in your body. Also, the actual cause, major causative organism for uh, mastitis is thrush. And we actually run so sugary when we're pregnant and post-birth what do we do to keep ourselves awake sugar 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 mm. little cake here and a little slice there so we're actually changing our, our chemistry it's very sugar based yeah. and we're tired and we want sugar when we're tired and dehydrated and dehydrated so it just sets up an environment so as soon as you've got cracked nipples or any crack it doesn't have to be a cracked nipple that is probably the most common and it's probably seven to ten days after that happens that your body can do that, but it can happen anytime. But generally after hospital stays and in those early weeks can happen with the engorgement as well if the baby's not actually downloading the milk off the breast well enough and you get a blocked duct. And the other thing is sticky eyes is another really, in the baby, is a really large contributing factor to mastitis. So people that they get gunky eyes and they've had a breastfeed and that eye stuff's gone into the end of the nipple so you can see a raging mastitis with that so I always check babies as well oh so that's why when you do the baths they say clean the, the eyes, eyes first so it's inside. important to keep those eyes yeah, nice and yeah. clean yeah if a baby's got a blocked duct in their eye there's not much you can do about yeah. it except massage but just to keep it clean particularly before breastfeed is really yeah. important um, and you usually find if the sticky eyes on that particular side that's the side the breast the mastitis that's sort of your conclusive oh there we go there's a yeah. sticky eye that that's how she because oh, i've been really well and i've been exercising and i've been yeah. oh hello <laughs> what planet are you on yes, you're not real <laughs> but you know so sometimes it's an emotional thing post-birth i do find mastitis if someone's had a really difficult birth and they've found it hard to process what's happened to them and they feel like the breastfeeding thing there's no it's like a job there's no love connection there's no oxytocin there because they're just traumatized you can often see those girls are a little greater risk of the mastitis so 
those sort of the causative things and then the treatment and what can we do to prevent it. Mm. Well, there is a beautiful, if you know that you're at risk or you've had it before, um, there's a little preventive pack that we do um, with fish oils, vitamin C powder, um, evening primrose caps, uh, multivitamins, and we sort of make you shovel those down your gollop <laughs> and go, this is going to be your remedy, you know, yeah. but it's, I don't know if it's psychological. And I mean, I know there's a whole lot of thing about vitamins where they're useful, but I do tend to hit them with new mums because I think you don't look after yourself, you don't eat well. I found the breastfeeding.org, that website was phenomenal. I gave them a call when I had mastitis with Yumi Mm. and they are there 24-7 and they gave me some really good advice. One of it was before it got to that fevery stage was to, if you've got an electric toothbrush, not a vibrator. <laughs> you could. Or I'm sure the vibrator works too. Possibly, but you can massage the these lumps. little lumps, yeah, and it so can good. smooth it out. And I did that, and it was effective. So yeah. they've got some really good tips depending on what journey or path Absolutely. you're in. And also feeding off the affected side—that's the number one thing. So you want to keep feeding off that side. What happens to the other side? Well, you still feed off it or pump off it, but really, you're just trying to. Empty that breast as often as you can. And, that can, and then antibiotics, unfortunately, um, not unfortunately because they have a great place in life, but they do seem to be the number one nailet for mm. mastitis. But having the correct antibiotics, so Diclox or for the five-day script and getting a repeat script and getting the 14 days treatment. A lot of people just they have treatment for two days and think, oh, I feel better now, yeah. great. And that's when we run into problems with recurrent mastitis and, and even potentially breast abscesses um, from, un, you know, things that haven't resolved properly. So, Can you overfeed a breastfed baby? I'm a real believer that you can't. I think if they don't want it, they won't take it. Um, sometimes it's just a little slurp to put them off to sleep. Sometimes <laughs> it's just little, nope, nope, it's just comfort. It's not calorie. So I think as an intuitive mum, you grow in your intuition. So first of all, when you're a first time mum, your intuition is what I call on fuzzy channel. It just doesn't even tune in. There's a whole lot of things coming at you. Then all of a sudden there's a clarity and nobody can tell you why or how or what to do, you just know. And it just creeps up on it you. It creeps up on you. Yeah. And it's a very special moment because it's a time when you really fall in love with your baby. When the, when the intuition's there, you no longer treat them as a foreigner. You treat the baby as your friend. Well, at the start, I think you're thinking about every single thing that you're doing. And even having a second child, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's so much that I forgot. But then when you think about how much less you're thinking – you realise, oh, no, 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 so much of this is now intuition. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I remember, you know, with the first, at the start, you're thinking, is that enough clothing? Is that baby on properly? Am I feeding enough? How long did it feed on that side? And then all of a sudden you go, oh, I'm just thinking about yes. everything less. Because they, yeah. they start to communicate with crying and sounds and then you start to know, oh, mm. that's a tired, that's a grumpy, yeah. oh, you look wind, like that sounds windy. Yes. And you start to know and understand yes. each other. Tips for getting baby to take the bottle. Okay. And when. Okay, so tips for taking the bottle. Okay, so back to when should we give a bottle. I was saying roughly about three weeks down the track because the baby's quite often in a hibernative state 
for the first couple of weeks and you think you've got this glorious child. Oh, gosh, that's the best few weeks. <laughs> and then they <laughs> hit six weeks and you're the, like, oh, my God. Yes. And plus you've got beautiful birth adrenaline for 21 days and no matter, even if your body has gone through a war zone, it sounds like it's still a little bit okay because you've just got this wowie, look, I am a mother. This is amazing. And then it's not so amazing. In and the first week I turned to my obstetrician and told him I was having 10. <laughs> Okay, that's extreme. During isolation, no, no. not having Dan. No, absolutely not. So when does the bottle become highly attractive is when you become more and more sleep deprived, when you want that date night, when you want to go to a wedding and you, you want to, you know, actually dress up in real clothes and maybe with no leakage from your breasts and things like that, mm-hmm. all these things. So um, I think the, the facts are perhaps get someone else to do it smelling and like babies get pretty clever and they know your comfort they know your smell so and they think and they know your nipples so they think you're trying to give me a second rate yeah, model what do you think yeah could any baby take a bottle you know how some people say my child will not take, take a bottle eventually they would if they've it's yeah. consistency isn't it and I, also the time you start like if you didn't give your baby a bottle ever and never tried it if you tried it once a week or you know yeah. just cause even with your breast milk Perhaps that would be they'd be more inclined to having it because they're used to it. But if you just said, "Okay, they're fifteen months. I'm going to give them a bottle." Well, that's too old. <laughs> you know, if they were six months, they'll be like, "I can drink from a sippy cup. <laughs> yeah. I can literally have my own smoothie." Yeah. But if if you gave them a bottle at six months and you've never tried it before, possibly that would be harder, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Well, I've seen both. I've seen people never give a bottle and the baby's just all of a sudden had a one-off bottle and no problem, and the mother was going, yay, I can go back to work. Then you've got the the planned, I'm definitely going to be using bottles, and someone introduces them once a week and then the baby still at four or five months says, no, yeah. I'm way too into your breasts yeah. to, to share it with anyone else. So, so best to the mum leave the room. Mum leave the, the room, baby not be anywhere in sight. And also you've got to impart confidence in your partner. You yeah. can't be saying to them, oh, don't do it like that. Show them what you expect and how you want to do it as you need to do with all baby stuff because sometimes we can let, leave them out of the yeah the loop because they might not do it the way we do it or the way we want it or the way we like it. So you've got to train them to so you feel confident, yep, that's really good. I love the way you do that bottle and really yeah. endorse them. And, and encourage Encourage them. And that's them. so true with everything. I yeah. think sometimes as mothers we're so quick Territorial. to tell our partners how to parent and I think – we're making it up as we go along. Let them make it up as they go along yeah. a bit as well. Obviously, if there's if they're really struggling and you know there's a quick fix, like tell them. But I think it's so much better for everyone when your partner has confidence and has a bit of their own freedom to parent how they want to parent. Well, they're fifty percent the parent anyway, yeah, so they have their own. Yeah. Absolutely, and I, you know, I hear in my clinic quite often people going, "Oh." My husband thinks the baby doesn't like him. <laughs> I think, oh, wow, this is the cry of a lot of men's hearts. He doesn't have a pair of tits. <laughs> they don't like his nipples. His nipples are purely Dry. ornamental. <laughs> <laughs> With a few hairs around yeah. them. <laughs> it's a negotiated landscape. <laughs> so, so though. When I'm pregnant, they do have a few hairs around them. That's all right. Not anymore. Is it best with the bottle to wait until the baby is hungry or are you already on the back? Both. Uh, Okay. So I've I've tried both with my mum's. I think it's up to your personal, you know, shoving a bottle in when the baby's hungry can cause more stress and go, oh, they're not going to drink it because they're stressed. Yeah. Other babies, yep, they're hungry. That's when they'll take it. So it's a really trial and error and women that are really going hard on the trying to get the bottle in, 
they'll do everything. They'll yeah. try everything. Yeah. They'll try everyone. <laughs> they might even bring in the grandma, yeah. okay, because the dad gets too stressed yeah. or that this is not working. Yeah. Or you can have the other pressure where the dad's going, come on, give them a bottle, come on, give them a bottle and is undermining the breastfeeding journey. Yeah. So you can get that psychological yeah. pressure as well. What is a dream feed and do you recommend one? Okay, well, that's a Tizzy Hall turn, the dream feed. Yeah. So she's, you know. Was that not a thing before her? I don't think so. Ah. Well, not to my knowledge. She's yeah. been around a while. Yeah. Um, I think people, you know, have done dream feeds for, you know, pe- particularly people that are co-sleeping. Are you awake? Are you asleep? Where are you at? And I'm not being condescending with that at, no, at all because no. there's a real place for that as well. So dream feed uh, in essence is the baby's asleep and you pick a particular time of the night that you think if you feed them at that time, they're going to go another <laughs> four or five hours. So it's all about you getting more sleep, if you ask me, not, yeah. uh, nothing to do with the baby. Yeah. And sometimes a dream feed, if you have a self-soothing baby that will do anything you try, which makes you the badge of honour wonder mother, <laughs> I tried this and this is where the mother's groups get unstuck. Oh. And cause, you know, terrible problems in the psyche of women um, is, you know, I try this dream feed, you've got to try it. It's just yeah. the way to go. Every baby's different. Yeah. So some will respond and, and women will get a four-hour stretch or a five-hour stretch. Other babies will be going beautifully and having a six- to seven-hour stretch, say from 6 p.m. till 2 a.m. And the other goes, oh. What shall I introduce a dream feed? I go, are you crazy? The baby's already going eight hours. Why would you feel to interrupt that and start it because someone told you it was such a good yeah. idea? And then they start doing it and, of course, the baby then wakes up every three hours. Well, we I did it with Poppy and that seemed to work for her and we were doing it with Goldie and then we reached a point last week where she just started waking up all the time in the morning so we've stopped it and she's better without having it so as you say it it is so baby dependent and I remember when Poppy was little we had a friend whose son when when he was really young slept 10 hours and all of the the rest of us in the in in our friendship group were going okay so what did you do Do. what did you do the magic wand (laughs) I remember they told us what their regime was before they went to bed and Poppy had probably the worst night's sleep that she had had in her whole life and I reckon she was just turning to us and going screw you mum and dad stop trying to turn me into him but like yeah. it's it's not a one-size-fits-all yeah. yeah. situation and um, yet the dream feed could be great for a baby that's a low gaining in weight and maybe they're sleeping too much mm. and they're not feeding properly so yeah there might be a situation where you actually do need to wake your baby yeah. up to feed it just to get the calorie in because yeah. night feeds are so juicy and yeah. delicious and high fat content and that's why babies aren't meant to sleep through the night. When are they meant to sleep? Well, everyone has a different version on that. Yeah. Uh, For sure that's a whole other topic, isn't it? What's your take on it? my take on is babies' development and personalities are so, so individual and I've had four babies Mm -hmm. who, and I had three allergy-style babies, so therefore we were victims of the reflux, the middle ear and the who knows what else. But Are you mean? It's like the the story of my reflux baby, a middle ear, and then I've been okay with one. but so, so I had one, my last baby, my angel girl, she slept and ate. And if I'd had her first, I would have been clearly deceived about parenting. Yeah. I would have thought I was a mega mother. Yeah. And it wasn't because she just had no allergies, no sensitivities. And you don't think it was because she was your fourth. You just think that Absolutely was not because yeah. I know, you know, yeah. I had big. Personality. It, personality and sensitivity. Mm. And all my boys, they were either eczema, asthma, middle ear, and still to this day 
have sensitivities in their gut. So gut biome is my intrigue because I think it rules the roost. Mm. Well, we're moving on to digestion (laughs) next, so that's perfect. So when Smooth. Smooth until you have colic, honey. When do babies' digestive systems mature and they stop getting wind? Okay, well, the normal newborn has a very immature gut. That's a fact. So some babies cope with that gut a lot better, their guts a lot better than others. And I'd say generally three months is one of the magic milestone marks but for wind to sort of sort itself out. However, it can be right up to six months and it can be from on because if babies have sensitive guts they have sensitive guts and you start I think it's a retrospective journey so I think you look like actually you always were like that with that or and so I think Mm. a lot of parenting is frustrating in that way (laughs) because you have to do what you you do your best at the time and then you learn as you go and then you get wiser (laughs) okay you go well I'll try this yeah hindsight (laughs) is powerful and I think um not to put too much pressure on that that I think the difference with the colic and the reflux, they're a big issue in the community and that's probably the mums I see most at three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, and then they don't need to be seen as much because they normally have a little bit of a plan or they're sorting themselves out, plus the babies usually smiled at them by then. All right, so, yeah, the wind, it can be dietary specific, so it can be something you're eating. So if I've got a really windy baby that presents and the mum first of all you've got to address the mum's stress you've got to acknowledge that it's a real thing if you've got a baby crying literally more than three hours a day three days a week that's what they qualify as colic but three hours in a row or three hours throughout the day three hours throughout the day so most babies would cry three Mm. hours if you added it up but i think you don't need to add it up. It's what this, the actual feed looks like. Are yeah. they crying desperately every feed or is it just, you know, that arsenic witching out, yeah. you know, four or five hours on and off unsettled pain? So that know. gulpy type feed that they Ooh. often do during witching hour, that's what I find stressful is like, for example, Goldie would, she'd be so beside herself but you could tell she, she was panics. hungry so she's like on the boob but crying and gulps yes. and then you can tell it's hurting. hurting. Is that what a colicky baby is like for every feed? Um, or for more well, feeds than just Well, she's obviously really hungry hour. so yeah. sometimes the second baby you've missed the window of feeding them exactly when they needed it because you've stretched them out because yeah. you can. Do you have tips for burping a baby? And how long should we be burping our babies for? Okay, so sometimes babies don't burp hardly at all, and that's part of the issue. Um, so a feed, uh, when you've first had a feed, obviously you might feed in, uh, you might burp the baby in between breasts, but I, I'm a bit of a gentle burper. I like the fact that after you've had a drink of milk, you don't need a geographical <laughs> whack slap on the back as if you want to bring up the milkshake. <laughs> so I sort of put the baby up high and gently, and I, I'm a real believer that the air rises. Mm. And if it doesn't come up in that first hour, that's when it gets trapped trapped in the gut. So do you have to hold them upright for that first hour? Or? No, you don't have to actually. In between feeds I'm talking. So in between breasts mm-hmm. you, you hold them upright and then just wait for, for them. how long? To, oh, five minutes. I mean, yeah. you'll feel rumbling sometimes mm. in their tummy you can feel wind in in their back so they might feel like brick mm. here and you put your hand on either side and they feel really stiff and you think actually there's something grumbling there so I just wait for it mm-hmm. otherwise I might just say well there's nothing happening let's get you back to sleep because quite yeah. often a baby can look windy and they're actually just getting tired they're getting the grumpy yeah. movements and they're starting to get the jerky movements in their arms and their bodies whereas wind is a definite knee 
it's like a cyclic rhythm. You can actually see the waves, so the knees go up and then the clench and then the cry. So it's a little bit different too. Yeah. But sometimes babies will just feed and go straight off to sleep. And it's and it's different how long a baby, like as in how the old a baby is when you stop burping them. Yes. Because I can't even tell you when I stopped burping no. Goldie. I feel like it just like Well, I think three to four months they just, just do it when they're going to do it. Yeah. Don't they? You don't, it's not a big deal. The yeah. first six weeks, the first three weeks is a big deal. And yeah. my, Everything's a big deal. My husband's really good at burping now. Yeah. Like he can burp Take himself and he's what? <laughs> 30. So they, they do like <laughs> yes, yeah, Especially after a beer. He's such a good burper. Oh, bless his heart. Yeah. He's and father, come on. Yeah, no, look, we, Both ends. They eventually work. We don't need to go there. Trust me, he's very good at that. Isn't it funny how Isn't satisfying sweet. it is when your baby burps? When your husband burps, you're like, you're fucking you're disgusting. <laughs> What's the difference between colic and just a normal newborn? Like how okay. do you know? Because I've had three. And I didn't know that my middle child had colic until she was three. And I look back on it, hindsight. Yeah, you know, I went, fuck. Yeah, it was hard. She wouldn't sleep. So I would walk around the whole neighbourhood to get her to sleep and she was upright and she yeah. would do that. And as soon as I sat down, my back was breaking. As soon as I sat down, she would cry again and cry, 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 cry. She would not stop crying. And it was always after a feed and it was just nonstop at night. Um, and then after that, I got my mum to come up and try a dummy because she needed like the sucking. Yeah, she needed she to be pacified because yeah. every time she wanted to be fed and comforted, yeah. Yeah. milk would come out. Yeah. It was this vicious cycle. Yeah. Did she have reflux? Was she a silent reflux? Huh? Yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. So the silent reflux is, I mean, and I did yeah. nothing. We just persevered, and I, I didn't yes. know. And no one yeah. was around to tell me no. why or what. They were just like, "Oh, she's a newborn. Get over it." Well, I think so often colic is almost like presented in inverted commas. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like yes. sometimes people are like, oh, it's just a difficult baby. Like colic is yeah. a thing. Yeah, but- so there's colic and there's reflux. So the colic usually lasts, like I said, the 12 weeks. But if they've got colic and they've if they've got a sensitive gut and they've got probably some reflux, so the reflux is they're sucking and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden their sphincter's sloppy, the milk comes back up the the sphincter in their esophagus, not the one at the anus. Not the anus. Thank you. <laughs> Sloppy sphincter. Oh, my goodness. Oh. It was definitely more colic, though, because she she wasn't a spitter up No, they don't have to spit. Ah, oh, so yeah. that's what you mean by yeah, silent. Reef. Yes, oh. so they can swallow it. And then a, an hour later. It hurts. They're going like this and you hear a pain cry and you oh. don't know what to do with that. So these days they're big on the, dip, the giving them medication, but they've weaned back on that because of the side effects in babies. Really some simple things, a diet. We can look at maternal diet if they're breastfeeding and get um, the mums off some dairy and even getting a maternal history, like, you know, were you an allergy-sensitive type baby? Were you, how did you go with cow's milk? How did you go with yeah. any sort of milk? And as we know with people's coffee orders these days, <laughs> there's a lot of variety to milk. And quite often you have a screaming baby now, mum will bring in a screaming baby and then she'll eventually go, oh, I can't have this, I can't have that, I can't have that. And you go, and you're expecting your baby to be fine when we've got yeah. genes calling out here very yeah, loud and clear. Yeah, yeah. So I'll say to the mums, well, what worked for you? Or can you ask your mum what worked for you? Like what did you actually have to do? Did yeah. you have to go into a formula or could you not breastfeed? What are some these- really common things? So dairy. The, the dairy, getting off um, acidic food. So believe it or not, somebody could have a perfect diet, but then they squeeze their own beautiful orange juice every day. And then yeah. they wonder, oh, my goodness, it's the orange juice. Chocolate? Chocolate, 
I, I've got a lot of chocolate addicted mothers in my clinic and I always say, look, maybe just come and don't, I never say never or no, because that just makes you go and eat you can't go twice cold. as much. You can't go cold tech. You, no, but just reduce it and maybe pick the time of the day to have it. So maybe not have it at night. If your night is really awful with your yeah. baby, have it in the morning. Well, let's, uh, Anything garlicky, oniony, yeah. um, tomatoes. Yeah. So things that commonly make you fat. adults. Absolutely. Uncomfortable. I mean, so there's plenty of adults that can't have garlic and onion and, yeah. Yeah, all of that. Sorry to cut things off so suddenly. Join us for part two of our chat with midwife Mandy where we chat about sleep, newborn skin and the always forgotten mum. Thanks for listening to this episode of You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.